Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. For those of you who wondered if I did the live read of the warning every single week, you just got your confirmation. That's the first time I've screwed it up. <laughs> Seriously, like a year. It's been pretty accurate. Yeah, it's been pretty accurate. So I've been pretty good because I type it every single day. When I was in the Navy, um, you have to learn the 13 general orders. I don't remember them now, but how I memorized them is I wrote them down over while well, in the little notebook I had. And, um, and when you're walking around a boot camp, you have this notebook on you and a pencil. And so you, I could sit there while we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. I could write the general orders over and over again so I can re- uh, memorize them. But anytime an RDC came by, they can ask to see your notebook. And they flip through your notebook to see anything in there at all. You can get in trouble. So they saw that I've written all my general orders over and over again in my notebook. And they, so they didn't know how to discipline me. They said, Ugh. I guess he's using it in the way it should be used. It's like, you can't give a guy like me blank paper and expect me not to use do something with it. That's just the way I am. Anyway, this is Shock Monkey Radio. There's a quick intro for you. I got a lot to talk about today. Um, yeah, um, welcome, welcome Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman. Mm. I, I am the Dr. Frankenfurter of the transsexual Transylvania, that is FXBG Public Radio. So, let me show you around, maybe play you with sound. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual, that's not too abysmal, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm not going to sing a song. I'm not, I'm, I'm, all right, we're going to do the time warp now. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Well, this is good. I don't have any beer today. I'm drinking out of a, what's a cinnamon fireball whiskey? It's pretty tasty. It's it's sweet. Mm. Great with ginger ale. I'm sure. Uh, we don't have ginger ale. The um, <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen the invention of lying where they had the Coke commercial, and the Coke commercial said that we haven't really changed the product a whole lot. It's uh, it's still good. It's really sweet. It's, uh, can cause diabetes and other. <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of people like Coke and drink Coke, and I work for Coke, and I'm asking you to continue buying Coke. And then he takes a sip of it and goes, "Ooh, it's sweet." <laughs> oh, oh wow! Oh, it's sweet. <laughs> I just I can't believe Coke signed off on that. <laughs> Unless they got the joke. Anyway, is my is my audio tinny to you? Sounds a little tinny. Anyway, I'll continue. I'll continue with the show. Wow, I'm usually more formatted. Yeah, I think I sound a little better. Yeah. So I thought a lot about being a cop after I was in the Navy. I thought a, thought a lot about being a cop, but then I realized I could never be a good cop. I would suck at it. Uh, I would never advance to detective or anything like that. I'd, just, I'd end up being a street cop my entire career if I were a cop, and that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the guy on TV, the guy who's solving crimes. I mean, what's the point? I wanted to be the Sherlock Holmes. I wanted to be the Batman who worked within the law, you know, and... But I, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't handle the, the very first stuff that you do, the, the beat cop stuff, the talking to people, so they don't, you know, you know, Heathcliff quit slapping her around, I don't want to have to come out here again, kind of kind of work. Or worse, you know, actual crime and crime-ridden neighborhoods where you're running and gunning and, you know, you're actually, actually fighting the law. I think that would be incredibly dangerous and something I would not be good at. Just a gut feeling I have. 
I, I got anger issues. It's a long story. So it's probably for the best for society that I decided not to be a cop. Mm. Anyway, because I could never be a detective because I hated math. Um, math, there's math, all sorts of math and physics when it comes to um, collecting evidence that put people away. You know, it's um, it's a bunch of measuring car wrecks. It's a, uh, like uh, measuring uh, where where the where the casings landed in, in, re in relation to each other and so forth. It's a bunch of tedious, data-driven work that only nerds like, honestly. It's, it's, it's really nerd work. And that's what puts people in jail. I'm, on TV, on TV, it's always the gut-reliant gumshoe who has just, it's just one more thing that's bothering them. You know, it makes for great television. And yeah, perhaps I could be that guy, or even, you know, I could be that guy, who um, traps the suspect in a logic trap and catches them in a lie. But that's, that's not how real police work works. All right? You know, confessions can be recanted. You know, that happens all the time. Reca re uh, confessions can be recanted. You said you did it, and it's like, eh, I, I just wanted to fuck with you. I thought you guys were bullying me. I thought you wouldn't let me leave. I couldn't go to the bathroom until I, I told you what you wanted to hear. Confessions get recanted. Uh, uh, human eyewitnesses and human memory... Wow, is that memory is malleable? You know that, right? It's like if you know anything about science of the science of how your mind works, is your memory is malleable. That means it's not as reliant as the actual statistics. It's like if you can figure out using math and physics that puts somebody at a crime scene, that is more reliable evidence of putting someone in jail than just yeah, I saw him do it. I was across the street. Yeah, I got you know I got blurry vision and so forth. You know, and that, that happens. That happens. So I couldn't be a good cop. You know, but on TV, it's always the... <laughs> it's always getting the, getting the confession. It's like you know, yelling at him in the, in, the, in the interrogation room until he finds, Fine, I did it. I did it, you son of a bitch. It's like, that stuff gets recanted all the time. And that's just not how, how it really works in police work. So I'm, I, and I sucked at math. I was never very good at it. When I went to college... The only class I dreaded was math because the math really stepped it up <laughs> in college. I was like, holy shit, there's a shitload of stuff I don't know about numbers. And so I hated math. <coughs> Excuse me. But here's the thing. It's like, all, this evidence is what puts people in jail. You know, this is, this is the kind of thing that is reliable uh, evidence that puts people in jail. D DNA at a crime scene is far more reliable than, you know, Tim over there saying he saw them do it. So, I mean, I, I, think, I think you nerds out there, you need to go out and, and get in, involved in law enforcement. I think that, you know, it's, um, <laughs> I mean, not all, not all cops should be jocks, is what I mean. It's like, yeah, there should be some jocks, some big tough guys that, are, that need to, like, uh, interact with the people more uh, physically. <laughs> Put that in the uh, <laughs> kindest way possible. But, I mean, you do need a lot more nerds. So if you nerds out there think that the police are doing such a horrible job, I suggest you go try out and become a police officer. So if you're good at math, go do it. Be a nerd. Be a nerd for the right reasons. I know, you're a nerd. You're probably going to go to a good college and make a, you know get a good degree, make lots of money in a tech field or something, make your own website or something. I don't know. Invent the next new app. Give it a shot, nerds. 
So what generation are you? Are you Generation X? Are you Generation Y? Are you the greatest? Here's the thing, though. I didn't know I was Generation X until sometime in my mid-20s. I have a feeling that the greatest generation did not know they were the greatest until well after World War II. You know why? Because the greatest generation would not call themselves that. My guess is that the baby boomers started naming generations. Thanks a lot, Pete Townsend. They were the baby boom following the war, and perhaps the greatest generation needed to put a name to all these, excuse me, needed to put a name to all these new people that, were, that they were creating. So, the baby boomers were born. And after that, things get real convoluted. Silent generation, generation X, generation Y, Z, millennials, blah, 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 so forth and so on. And all I want to say is this. <clears throat> Giving your generation a name is somewhat narcissistic and arrogant. You know, it's as if you matter. You don't matter. Your generation doesn't matter. We're all just people out here, you know what I mean? Trying to make it work. The greatest generation never thought of themselves as much as the baby boomers did. As, and the baby boomers didn't think about themselves as much as my generation did, and so on down the line. All right, Every generation is the most progressive generation. That's all there is to it. Jim Jeffrey says it better than me. Go check him out on Netflix. All right, Even within my generation, so there were places I didn't know where I fit. Inside my own generation. I didn't know, I didn't know if I was a punk rocker, a band nerd, a lit mag nerd, uh, a... a if I didn't know if I was grunge or a skater or prep or whatever. In fact, I was a little bit of it all. I didn't want to be put in any category, and I certainly didn't feel a need to join any category. I don't feel a need to join Generation X any more than I need to feel like I need to fit in with the skater kids. Oh, so you're a Generation Xer, huh? Well, it's just a shame about Chris Cornell. Oh, you're a baby boomer? Shame about Keith Moon. You know, all it is is just another way to hang labels on people. I mean, yeah, patterns exist in human beings, but, you know, we are at least four-dimensional creatures, and we, can, we are probably the most unpredictable creatures that exist in our known universe. We are magic. We are stardust. We are golden. And we've got to get ourselves back into Madison Square Garden. COVID be damned. Cruising right through. Cinnamon whiskey. This should have been like a hardcore song. Cinnamon whiskey. Out of beer. <laughs> uh, so, I was, <clears throat> so I've been listening to Jordan Peterson's podcast. I don't know if you know about Jordan Peterson. Um, uh, hopefully you are. Hopefully you know who, who Jordan Peterson is. He's a very, very wise and liberal uh, Canadian guy who has a lot of interesting things to say. And ever since he made made, made waves by saying, no, I'm not, not going to use those pronouns, uh, in Canada, um, I've started paying attention to his lectures, and he's a really, really entertaining lecturer. I don't, I don't know what it is. I guess I was the kind of guy, that was the kind of professor I wanted in college, was a guy like him. So I was listening to Jordan Peterson's podcast, and he recently put out his uh, biblical, biblical uh, lectures again. And I enjoyed listening to him again. And it's about he's covering the stories of the Old Testament, specifically Genesis. And um, the guy is so brilliant and insightful. And it's just how, it's like how he, he integrates like Bible references and other philosoph philosophers, other people who speak upon the subject and so forth, and about the stories of the Old Testament. And so I was thinking, it's like there's only one thing I want to say to Jordan Peterson, and that is, I want to fuck your daughter. 
But please understand, this is only because I would feel compelled to say something if I met the good Dr. Jordan Peterson. And there's no way I would have anything good to ask him, much less challenge him, other than the fact that I want to fuck your daughter's mouth. She loves the meat, right? See, I'm still working on the best phrase on how to do this. But he's that kind of eccentric, thoughtful professor with liberal sensibilities, cries on occasion on TV. He's an intelligent, compassionate, good-hearted man, and the only thing I can think to say to him to make him remember me is like, I'm not even into anal, but I will do it, and I'll film it all and put it on every social media platform there is. And he might stammer and say something like, uh, 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 hey, I don't know. I don't know if you know about this, but my, my daughter's married. And I'll say, come on, man, we all have free will every second of our lives and commitment to any social convention or contract is tenuous these days at best. And he might say, have at you, and try to punch me in the face. And then I would kick his lanky ass and bang his daughter and put it on YouPorn for millions of views and cash in my pocket. I hope and pray you, second person plural, understand that I'm just making jokes here. I love Dr. Jor Jordan Peterson's podcast. They calm me. And as you see, I'm not a calm person. My only criticism of Dr. Peterson is that uh, he kind of meanders in his speeches. But if you listen to my show, you're probably saying, who are you to judge, madman? And you would be right. So, Dr. Peterson, sorry about my cheap jokes. If you ever leave Serbia and come to Virginia, you are welcome to come punch me in the face based upon this bit that I've just done. You have every right to it. Michaela, too, for that matter. I, I probably will try to fuck her, though. 15 minutes in. I'm really ranted today. The cinnamon has a kick. The cinnamon whiskey has a kick. Ooh. I gotta... Whew. So I was thinking about Space Ghost. I was thinking about Space Ghost. Uh, more specifically, ghosts in space. In space. So, obviously, you know how ghosts work. If you're listening to my podcast, you know how ghosts work. You know the basics. So, obviously, you know um, they get attached to a place, a house, an object, that kind of thing. So, obviously, this thing, kind of thing can apply to things like spaceships, space stations, and things like that. Here's the thing, though. Say you were murdered on the ISS-2 in polar orbit of Mars, and you haunt the space station. All right, you're poking holes in piss bags and uh, moving around packets of peanut butter, whatever ghosts do on the ISS-2. So 20, you get 20 or 50 years in that, maybe 150 years of that. And then the, the humans discover the Klingon race or something like that, the Klingons. And then there's a big war between uh, the Klingons and the, and the humans, and we'll obviously lose. And um, ISS-2 gets, uh, gets hunted down and gets blown up. And um, next thing you know, so, so what happens to you? What happens to you if, the, if this ISS-2 gets blown up by the Klingons? And um, do, you still, do you still hover in orbit around the where the space station was? After all, apparently gravity has a big effect on, on ghosts. You know, if you had to stay in the space station. It's like, what is, it, what is the movement radius when you're a ghost? Do you think it's maybe like, say, something like 10 acres? So if, like, you lived on an estate or something like that, you can haunt everywhere, you know, on the estate. But, you know, you know, you couldn't ha haunt an entire golf course or something like that. You could just haunt hole 13 or something. Is that how it works? I don't know, because apparently gravity has a big effect on ghosts. 
You know, even even with when it comes to ghosts on Earth, you know, they're attached to a place. And it's just like in Beetlejuice, you know, you leave, walk out the front door, next thing you know, you're on Saturn. And sandworms. You hate them. I hate them. Everybody hates them. Why does it got to be said? But could it be that your spirit in space could get attached to an object? An object like, say, um, the reason the object you were attached to at ISS-2 was your piss tube, your relief tube. A thing you pissed in every day. Yeah, it got sanitized and, and reused because, you know, it's space. And so it's... Um, but that's the thing you're haunting. And then when the Klingons blow up ISS-2, your little piss, piss pump, piss tube, piss pump, piss tube is like hurtling through space infinitely and you got to go with it. But odds are, you know, it'll, gravity will catch it sooner or later and it'll get burned up in the atmosphere. Then what happens to you? All right, say you're, say you're lucky enough that it doesn't burn up in an atmosphere. It hits a planet that doesn't have an atmosphere and it just, poof. Next thing you know, you're si next thing you know, you're sitting around, hanging around some little stupid moon for all eternity. Wouldn't you wish there was a God at that point? What a horrible existence that would be. Or do you think maybe you can move anywhere as a ghost? Like say, like, you know, we know, we know the rules, but I mean, say it's not like in Beetlejuice where you walk out the front door and you're on Saturn. Say it's more like you can keep going in any direction, but it's, it's like a floating ghost speed. It's like uh, four miles an hour. <laughs> And so you're like, uh, you're hanging around this place on Earth and you start realizing, oh, I can move in any direction as long as infinitely if I want to. You figure that out and say, hey, what am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave Earth. I'm just start, pick a direction and start going. But it's like four miles an hour the whole way. <laughs> you know, it's just human walking speed for all eternity. Yeah, you can see the entire universe, but golly, would that be boring? Wow. That would be so boring. Mm. That would suck. So, all in all, you know, I think the laws concerning ghosts, it all kind of doesn't pass the smell test when you start ta talking about factoring humans in the habitation of space. Oh, boy. It's not even 620. Not even 620. I got through. I'm almost ready for the news worth knowing. I don't know what to tell you. Should I tell you a Navy story? I'll tell you about the time we, uh, we got real drunk and... Uh, <laughs> wow, that was loud when I hit the mic there. When I got real drunk and, uh, yeah, we were in Annapolis. Yeah, we were in Annapolis. And they had small boats running back and forth from the ship to the Annapolis docks. And that's where we, we hit the docks and went out on town. But the, the boats, the small boat stopped uh, running like something around like 1 a.m. or something with the last one. And we're like, oh, we're going to go to this bar, have a few drinks, go grab something to eat, and then we'll uh, just come back. Ended up being around like 12, 12.45. We're just, oh, we got to get to the landing so we can catch the last small boat back to the ship. And um, we didn't make it. And so it was cold in Annapolis right there on the water. And we knew we had to wait until like 0700 or something when the boat, small boat started running again. So six hours we spent, we broke into this little, um, it was like a utility shack <laughs> there. It was like, it was a really small room and it was like eight of us crammed into this thing. It was like one chair in the room. The the, the, per, the first person to sit in it said mine. And it was like, nobody could argue with him. So we all cur uh, cur uh, curled up in this thing and slept for about six hours until the small boat started running again. So until we start, started hearing the motors again. So... 
hey, you know what? Join the Navy. See the world. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, I hated it when I was in. You'll probably hate it if you go in. Um, but it definitely, it's definitely chock full of stories because you're doing so damn much, you know. Go and join the Navy, see the world. You know, I've been to Spain. I've been to um, uh, all up and down the East Coast, Philadelphia, New York, Halifax, uh, all over the Keys, <laughs> you know. Nice places to go. You know, and, uh, when people wanted to, uh, like, they would say, I want to join the Marine Corps, I want to join the Army, and I'm just like, look up, look up where all the Army bases are, or, or Air Force bases are. They're all in, like, deserts. They're all in, like, or <laughs> every single naval base, most of them are, sit, are by water, which means by beaches. <laughs> it's a smarter, it's a smarter form of service, too. I mean, it, what I really liked about being in the Navy is that you had this whole other language that, that developed. And by the time I joined the Navy, I had read um, A Clockwork Orange. And um, it, it, if you may or may not know, it's like the movie A Clockwork Orange was based based upon a book. And um, that in that book, they had the slang that you heard them speaking in the movie Clockwork Orange. And that slang is a very interesting slang. It's a slang, that, uh, what's his name, Anthony Burris? Let me look that up real quick. Author... A clockwork orange. Anthony Burris? Yeah, Burgess. Yeah, he wrote A Clockwork Orange, and he had made up this entire slang for Alex and his, uh, his gang. And I thought it was really interesting. It took me a while to, like, figure out what everything meant. And so when you join the Navy, it's like you have this whole slang uh, thing going on where, uh, it, you know, rumor is scuttlebutt, you know. There's, like, port, starboard. I did that for your benefit, port and starboard. I did it wrong. Starboard and port. Forward, aft, you know, center line. <laughs> really important center line. That center line's important. Smaller the boat, more important that center line is. If somebody asks you to go get you 100 feet of center line, I'm like, oh, I'm not laying a keel anytime soon, sir. I don't know if, it's, if the EK is an earshot. We may have to get into the news worth knowing. Yeah, Anthony Burgess. You know, had a different ending in A Clockwork Orange. I don't know if you've read the book, but... Uh, I kind of I like the, the movie ending better. Because uh, the ending of A Clockwork Orange was he just like... It's like, oh, I'm, I guess I'm a grown-up now. I'm not going to do crimes no more. and Happy polylogies and all that shit. And I'm just like... I don't like that ending. I mean, I understand that that's kind of a, a, a rite of passage for many like people who get involved in like illegal stuff when they're young, you know, like gangs and crime and so forth. And I, I get that. It's like at some point you realize it's like, oh, I've survived this long. I'm you know pressing my luck. I should get out of this. I get that. I really do. And that's probably a more positive ending than the ending that you have in um, the movie. Uh, also, there was a lot more rape in the book. <laughs> than um, than you see in uh, the movie, and and it was it was like horrible like Bill Cosby type of rape like um, the the girls he met at the record store I'm sure you remember that scene the girls he met in the record store is like he they were like 14 years old and he drugged them and took them back to his place and had his way with them it was whew, ruthless all right. We may have to miss the stinger if EK's not around to hit it real quick, but we got to get into the news we're throwing because I'm just going to sit here and babbling. 
drinking my cinnamon and whiskey. So let's get into the news worth knowing. Now I want you to picture in your mind the words coming across the screen saying the news worth knowing. If you want to watch this kind of stuff, the stuff that I'm describing verbally, <laughs> you can go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, you can get all of our, our video content such as it is. So let's get into our first news story here in the news worth knowing. We end early, we end early. It's my show, I'll do what I want. So Hillary Clinton was on The Daily Show, said Americans should be ready, quote, be ready if Trump doesn't, quote, go quietly after election. <laughs> so Hillary Clinton appeared on The Guest on Monday's episode of The Daily Show, where host Trevor Noah asked the former Secretary of State about the potential changing of powers at the White House after November's election. The former Democratic presidential nominee appeared virtually uh, for an interview on what Noah has been calling the Daily Social Distancing Show amid this coronavirus pandemic. Their friendly interview quickly turned to the topic of voter suppression, with Clinton taking a jab at Republican leaders, uh, alleging they're trying to stifle votes from people they believe will vote blue in November. Republican, uh, this is a quote, Republicans have a two prongs to their strategy. You want to hit the stinger real quick? Show them um, while I continue. It's a news worth knowing, y'all. <laughs> Republicans have, a two, have two prongs to their strategy to try to win, she explained. The first is to try to prevent as many people excuse me, who, who they think won't vote for them from voting. So make the lines really long where young people or African-Americans vote or Hispanics vote. Try to make vote by mail as difficult as possible. Claim it's fraudulent when indeed it's not. In fact, that's how Donald Trump votes, and everybody who knows about vote by mail understands that. Oh, my God. Uh, where do I start with this thing? Um... Two prongs of the strategy to win. First is try to prevent as many people as they think they won't vote for them from voting. Yeah, I think the Democrats did that when they put forward Joe Biden. Anyone who's like a true Democrat must be thinking, is like, really, is this better? Is this better? I mean, honest, as, as a conservative, it's like, you know, Beto O'Rourke would be a better choice. He has a little bit more energy to him, you know what I mean? He seems like it, he can form complete sentences. <clears throat> Anyway, I think, I think the Democrats are doing that just fine on their own. Uh, they want to make the lines really long where young people are African-Americans or Hispanic votes. It's the election. You want people at the polls. You want more people coming out. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a shitload of the silent majority at the polls. So what she's saying is that the lines are going to be long because all the conservatives that live in flyover states that they, these people hate are going to be coming out to the polls. And they think they're going to be, uh, because, let's be honest, the majority of the U.S. population is white, and so this news, these liberal news agencies are going to show it. It's like, look at all these white supremacists coming out to vote. <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee I don't see it changing anytime sooner than that. I'm sorry. And then they'll claim it's fraudulent when, in fact, this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> she's talking about the vote-by-mail thing. I think that's how they plan to do it, is through the vote-by-mail thing. Because they're trying to keep everybody home. They're trying to make more people vote by mail. That means that they have more control over the ballots, ballot boxes that they stuff. I'm not saying that Republicans don't, don't do that as well. They do. There are, there are Republicans who have done that. And I'm saying that's wrong all across the board. All right? But these people are scared. They are scared that they are going to lose. They, they actually try to, they're trying to project the idea that they have it locked up. And they don't. And you know who knows all about that? Hillary Clinton. 
Anyway, after Hillary's comments, Noah asked if she believed President Trump, who has repeatedly said in the past that voter fraud is an issue with voting by mail, uh, will attempt to use a vast number of Americans likely to vote by mail in November due to the COVID-19 pandemic as an excuse to delimit... To make the election not legitimate <laughs> and refuse to yield power in the event that he loses. Quote, I think it's a fair point to raise as to whether or not if he loses, he's going to go quietly or not. We have to be ready for that, she cautioned. But there has been so many academic studies and other analyses that point, that point out the fact that it's just an inaccurate, fraudulent claim. There isn't a problem. She's referring to voter fraud. I'm just like, yes, yes, there is across the board. But both parties do it. Voter fraud is an issue. Clinton added, all the games that are played and all the photo IDs and any kind of restriction that can be opposed to try to keep vote down in places that aren't going to vote for Republicans, that's a real danger to the integrity of our election. That combined with misinformation and disinformation and all the online shenanigans we saw in 2016. Shenanigans, like people saying, hey, you know, you've had people killed, you know, you fucked up Benghazi, the crooked Hillary. Those kind of shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, Clinton concluded her thoughts on voter suppression and Trump potentially refusing to yield power by saying that, above all, she simply wants a fair and honest election. Quote, I want, I want a fair election. If people get to vote and they, for whatever reason, vote for Donald Trump, okay, we'll accept it. Not, not happily, she said with a laugh. But I don't think that that's what will happen because I think the more people that will uh, come out to the polls whether by mail or in person, and get their votes counted, then we'll have the kind of election we should have, and then it will win both in the popular vote and the Electoral College. Later in the interview, Clinton pulled no punches when talking about Trump's response to the coronavirus pandemic, making it clear that she blames the lack of leadership for the U.S. having some of the highest infection rates. Quote, you have to start with President Trump's hostility towards science, evidence, facts, logic, and reason. He is a showman. He is a reality TV star. Yeah. He likes to try to bend the reality to suit his own preferences. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm agreeing with Hillary Clinton here. Um, and he clearly, <laughs> he clearly started uh, hearing about this back in January through intelligence briefings, and he either read or didn't read, she said. But even before that, he got disbanded within the 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 the. Yeah, he he really screwed this up, and it's like, no, I'm sorry, your governors and mayors screwed this up, this COVID thing. It's a republic. It's not a uh, monarchy. If it was a monarchy, do you think what do you think you'd do what King Trump said? No, you would not. All right, I want to talk about one more point that she was getting at about Trump refusing to leave office if he loses. Well, here's the thing: it's like the election is in November, and he's supposed to be sworn in by January. So by by November and to January, was it February or January inauguration? I don't know. But the next. Um, He'll have a couple months where he can organize, you know, get an investigation going about voter fraud, if there is such a thing, and he's well within his rights during that time to do that, if he chooses. But I guarantee you, come Inauguration Day, he will step down. You know why? Because he I mean, he looks tired. He looks like he kind of doesn't want to do the job anymore, and I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't wish, wish that job on anybody. And I would say, beware anybody who does want that job. So I don't know what the solution is there. That's a whew, that's a logic puzzle right there. But my point is that I don't think that Republicans are as interested in power as Democrats are. They want power. They want to they want to dictate what you can say, where you can go, what you have to do. 
conservatives aren't like that. Do whatever you want as long as it doesn't cross me. Don't cross me. I won't cross you. Seems pretty easy to understand. Idiot like me can understand it. Anyway. Let's go on to this next story. Um, young conservative women who went uh, woman women who went viral for standing up to liberal mobs say they received death threats. Savannah Hernandez, uh, who was targeted by Black Lives Matter protests uh, when she sh protesters when she showed up at a rally with a sign that said that read "Police Lives Matter," she told the Ingram Angle on Monday that she was viciously attacked and has gotten death death threats from people on the left because they don't like her message. On Monday, Hernandez tweeted a picture of herself at a rally in Texas and wrote, I get a lot of hate for the sign, but imagine being the per uh, person who, actu who actually in the uniform. Thank you to the police who, keep our, uh, for, who care about keeping our community safe. Hashtag police lives matter. Good for you. She's a looker too. Quote, I was watching so many videos on Twitter of police officers, especially black police officers, who have been the subject of so much racism because of the radical left and everything that's been going on, and it really enraged me, so I wanted to stand up with police with a Police Lives Matter sign, she explained. She noted that the other side of the sign, she wrote the name of retired St. Louis police uh, captain David Dorn, who was shot and killed by a looter during protests over the death of George Floyd. Quote, I went and I stood there. I didn't chant. I didn't go to infiltrate their rally at all, Hernandez said. I stood on a busy street corner and held up my sign because I wanted police in my city to know what, uh, that they are supported, and I was immediately attacked. She said that one Black Lives Matter supporter actually, quote, supported my First Amendment right, which is not something we typically see, so I was very appreciative of that. There's one in every bunch, I tell you. <laughs> smarter person. I, wish, I just wish those smarter people would take over that. Those idiots that run that thing. Anyway, um, quote, but it's ridiculous that I can't go stand up with with a sign on my own street in my own city without being attacked, viciously attacked several times, Hernandez continued. She noted that since the rally, she had received death threats from people on the left, which said she, quote, only emboldened, which she said only emboldens me more to stand up for police to protect our communities every single day. Host Laura Ingram asked Hernandez what her message to young women uh, who are conservative like her and are, quote, tired of being pushed around. Quote, I am not a spectacular human being. I'm a regular girl. And if I can stand up and make waves with a $5 poster board and a message, then anybody can, she said in response. So stand up. Now's the time to do it. Marry me. Anyway. Quote, and in, uh, this is the quote. Um, an incoming college freshman who claimed Marguerite University threatened to rescind her admission because of videos she posted on TikTok that were supportive of President Trump also appeared on the Ingram Angle on Monday night. Samantha Pfefferly said she also received death threats after she posted the videos and added that students were uh, among those harassing her online, according to Heavy.com. Ingram asked, asked her, <laughs> I'm not going to say the name again, it's tough. After, after what you've been through, do you have second thoughts about going to Marguerite at this point or no? I really, really want to go, she said in response. She said she, said, uh, she said she plans on attending in the fall, adding that me and my parents are still scared for my safety going there because of the threats I've been getting, including, don't worry, you'll be dead soon. Yikes. <clears throat> Quote, so it's kind of scary to step, uh, step on campus, and I'm nervous, she continued, but I'm ready to rally conservatives and stand up for what I believe in. Good for you. In a statement sent to Fox News, the university disputed the claim that Pfefferly's en enrollment was in jeopardy. 
Quote, concerns about this new student that were brought to the university's attention are not based upon political Ill affiliation, but on alleged use of discriminatory language. The statement said in this, uh, the statement said, quote, in this case, there are also concerns about the incoming student's safety, which were investigated by the Marguerite University Police Department and discussed with the incoming student. The university also said that Pfefferly's admission has not been rescinded, nor did the university threaten to rescind the admission. She asked him, uh, Ingram Master if it was true or false. Quote, when we went on the first call, they did say I was not a student. Um, not a student now, she asked, Ingram asked. Quote, they told me I wasn't a student and I would hear back in a couple of days. It took them a week and a half. That's a couple of days, I guess. So I'm glad there's a... Some people out there with the guts. I just I wish I could see more conservative men being out there, but I'm sorry, you know. Men men just don't get the hits, the clicks like pretty girls do, you know. And I'm I'm sorry to say is like um, more people want to hear what Candace Owen has to say than Ben Shapiro, because she is gorgeous. <laughs> Love that Candace Owen. Love them conservative women. I need to find more of them. All right, let's go to these uh, sad news story. New Orleans uh, shooting kills a nine-year-old boy and wounds two teens. New Orleans police investigating the killing of a nine-year-old boy in a street shooting that also wounded two teens, 13 and 15. Police said the young boy is a victim of Monday afternoon of the senseless violence that has es escalated in the city for the past month, Fox 8 New Orleans reported. Quote, again, this is unnecessary, this is unfortunate, and most importantly, this is disheartening for us in a community to accept a boy who has not lived his life yet to be killed on the streets of New Orleans, Police Chief Sean Ferguson said. He spoke to reporters after arriving to the shooting scene with New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell. Fox 8 said the boy, Devontae Bryant, was just days away from celebrating his 10th birthday when he was killed. He died of a gunshot wound to the head. Quote, energetic child. He had fun. He always smiled, just full of life. The whole neighborhood knows him. He's by ev everybody. Everybody loved him. He's just, he's just a good child, the boy's father, Donald Bryant, told the station. He said the shooting happened soon after he came back from the store with Devante. The other two shooting victims were a 15-year-old who was shot in the stomach and a 13-year-old boy who was shot in the leg. Police released a photo of the white Jeep Wrangler they say was involved. Quote, investigators believe at the same time that at the time of the incident, incident, the vehicle was occupied by three subjects who were dressed in dark clothing, hoodies, and face masks. The vehicle was being driven without a license plate, they added. So, I guess it seems like this 15-year-old and this 13-year-old boy were the targets. Possibly. I don't know. And so, I mean, it could be like a gang thing, and, you know, this is the problem when, you know, you got to let cops be cops, or otherwise you're going to have these, uh, unlicensed cars driving around, you know, hit squads running around, you know, crime's going to take over the streets. You know, the, the vacuum will be filled by somebody. That's how it works. That's just like the South China Sea. It's the basics. You got to exert the authority or anarchy will reign. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And that's the point. That's the point. Good men and women to do nothing. So you need to stand up for your city. You don't like them riding in the streets. You need to go out there and tell them, it's like, hey, get the cops in there. Quit saying, look, quit looking at the president. It's like, it's not our fault. 
It most absolutely is your fault, governors. It most absolutely is your fault, mayor. You got to back up your police or else you're going to have anarchy in your, on your hands. Are you too scared to give these stupid children anarchist assholes a fucking spanking? They need to be spanked. Apparently, they haven't been spanked in their whole life. And I think that's probably the problem here. So you're also scared to like bring a little authority and like bitch slap these motherfuckers and set them straight. Start charging them with crimes. Start throwing them in prison. They'll, they'll start seeing it as like, oh, I guess a polite society doesn't behave. A person shouldn't behave that way. Sorry about that rant. This cinnamon, this cinnamon whiskey. It's so delicious, but I can't speak right when I'm reading. I think I should stick to the beer. All right, let's talk about the Redskins. <clears throat> uh, former Washington uh, players speak out on the name change. Quote, I'll always call them Washington Redskins. Uh, yeah, the Washington NFL franchise is on the search for a new team identity after retiring the Redskins' name on Monday, but not everyone affiliated with the team is on board with the change. In the face of mounting pressure to change the team's name amid a national focus on race relations, Washington announced Monday that the Redskins' name and logo will be retired after 87 years. Quote, Dan Snyder and Coach Rivera were working closely to develop a new name and design, uh, design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud, traditional, rich franchise and inspire our supporters, fans, and community for the next 100 years, the team said in a statement. While the move was applauded by many, several former Washington players voice, who voiced their opinion against the change, uh, oh wait, while the move was applauded by many, several former Washington players voiced their opinion against the change arguing that name is affiliated with the accomplishments of the franchise, not the derogatory slur. Quote, I'll always call them the Washington Redskins. I'm sorry. Former Senator Jeff Bostic uh, told ESPN, I've got great memories, great game scenarios that played out. There are parts of that that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. It was an honor for us to put on that helmet and have the Redskins uh, emblem on the sides. He continued by saying, this is a point, a political and financial decision. This is what most people want. I'm sure you're taking polls in the D.C. area about how they want, uh, how how many want to change or change or keep it. I guarantee you, it is overwhelming number and that probably want to keep it. Doug Williams, former NFL quarterback who won Super Bowl a Super Bowl in Washington, argued that players didn't think about the negative connotations associated with the name when playing. "Quote: We played because it was our job and what we wanted to do." Williams, who serves as Washington's senior vice president of player development, told ESPN. Quote, players don't come thinking, I'm going to play for this slurred name. <laughs> That's not on their minds. <laughs> Jesus, obviously. Uh, all they know is that they're playing in the NFC East and they're playing the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, or the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we won as Redskins. We won the game, uh, Williams continued. But at the end of the day, it was about the players, and we still deserve our rings because we did it. The name didn't do it. That's all we could say. The name changed. The name changes, but the city doesn't change. The teams don't change. The franchise doesn't change. It's just a name and a logo. It should have an impact on the history of the organization. Former Washington running back Brian Mitchell told ESPN that during his time with the franchise, the players never thought about the name until pressed. I didn't play for the name per se. Guys talked about it. Uh, guys never talked about it because players play. He said, players got to play. <laughs> Quote, but you were asked the question again and again, and it gets you to start asking and research and trying to figure out the problem. Some Native Americans had a problem with some, and some didn't. My mindset was always, we need to sit down and have a serious, serious discussion. If you've offended somebody, uh, you need to uh, have that discussion instead of being closed-minded. Washington has not released what the new team name will be. 
So, I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, I hate football. I don't like football. I think football should go away. And if football and even basketball start becoming politically correct and all this stuff, I mean, it, it's going to lose its flavor for me. And I think it's going to lose the flavor for a lot of fans. You know, and I think changing the Washington Redskins name is going to change the flavor of the Washington Redskins. I don't care. It's not my it's not my team. You know, if Dan Snyder wants to change the name, that's on him. That's his decision to make. It's not my business, it's his business. I like that he's put up uh, he's put up with all the slings and arrows so far, but I mean, hey, if push comes to shove and you want to make a change, that's his call to make. Pussy. Stand up against these people. You know? I'd rather <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as derogatory. I think it's like a. There's so much stuff in the United States that's named after uh, Native Americans. Redskins is probably one of the most offensive because it's clearly a derogatory word. But I mean, it's all of it has been out of respect. You know, got a Chinook helicopter because out of respect. You know, Apaches, out of respect, Apaches. It's like, hey, we knew who that tribe were. They made, you know, we had like guns and shit, and they still. You know, woke us up in the middle of the night, terrified that it might be coming. It's out of respect. And additionally, you know, professional football players are mercenaries. They don't give a shit what team is paying them the contract they wanted. They don't give a shit what city they live in as long as they're getting $50 million or something like that. All right? <laughs> they don't care. You know, they're that's their job. Football is their job. They may have gotten into football because they 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 like football, but I don't think that they, they, I think after a while, anything you love doing is going to start feeling like a job. And so, I mean, it's, um, it, it's like, um, Anthony Rendon a few years back, he got in trouble with the nationals. Cause he's like, do you, somebody said, do you even like baseball? And it's like, no, nah, I hate baseball. This is my job. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that when I'm off work or something like that. And I'm just, I have to agree, you know? And if you, if, if that was your job to run around and like be a be a football star or whatever like that, and everyone's like, "Hey, I saw you last week." It's like, "Yeah, everyone's been saying that." That's all everyone wants to talk about is that that hit I took. <laughs> the only conversation you have all week is like, "Man, I hope I get something good next week so people leave me the hell alone." What do they care? They don't care. It's just whiny whiny people need to be need to be spanked anyway. <laughs> Got two more stories here. Girl, four year old, four years old, heartbroken over coronavirus shutdowns in a viral video. This girl is the cutest, second cutest. My niece is the cutest. Um, an adorable four year old girl in Arizona is being praised for telling it like it is and sharing her frustra frust frustrations about the coronavirus pandemic, while her routine has been upended and their favorite places remain closed. Video footage of the child's uh, uh, candid outburst has since, since gone viral on multiple social media platform, platforms with millions of views. Uh, Blake McClellan was eating dinner with her family in March when her parents gently broke the news that she couldn't attend dance class because of COVID-19 closures, AZ Family reports. Quote, we explained the shutdown. Dance classes would be done for a while and jujitsu would be done. Rebe Rebecca McClellan, the girl's mom, told KPNX on Friday. When we mentioned dance class, Blake lost it. The youngster got emotional, and Dad Ben McClellan, um, McLennan, excuse me, uh, quietly began recording Blake's passionate reaction while processing the news. "Quote: So now everything in this world has to shut down all the way down. Nobody has to go anywhere because they're shut down. The ice cream truck is shut down." Blake cried. <laughs> I know it's horrible. 
We can't go anywhere, she continued. Not even McDonald's, which is my favorite restaurant, she continued through tears. It's heartbreaking. She is crying. You should go watch this video. It's terrible. Terrible. And we feel your pain, girl. Quote, it's really frustrating. If you go through the drive-thru, it's just boring because you have to wait for your food to come. When you're inside playing on the playground, it wouldn't be boring. <laughs> and the only thing that is open is nothing. Nothing, Blake exclaimed. Except maybe homes like ours, another child offered in the background. <laughs> Explaining that she understood that everything has, has to be shut down for everyone to be safe, Blake lamented that the current state of the world was just no fun. A three-minute clip of the child's relatable diatribe has, qu has quickly gone wildly viral, racking up over 9 million views on Facebook and 8 million on Twitter since ho hitting social media last week. You got a bunch of comments. Do your job, news people. Commenters praised the little girl's emotional intelligence and uh, complimented her parents for listening so thoughtfully to what she had to say. In a larger sense, Ben said that Blake doesn't typically have such outbursts and got some of her favorite things mixed up during the rambunctious uh, rant, AZ Family reports, though her logic may be frustrating, logic for being frustrated was crystal clear. Quote, we all thought uh, we'd be off of it by now, so, so for it to still be here, I think we're all in the place she was three months ago, the dad cult told KPNX. Let me read this quote again. We all thought we'd be off out off of it by now. So for it to still be here, I think we're all in the place she was three months ago. That speech pattern is messing with me. Where are they from? Arizona. Who talks like that? Anyway, I feel your pain, little girl. I feel your pain. All right, one last story. Let's get this done. A mm. uh, Virginia man Raises $77,000 to donate Goya, uh, Goya products to food pantries. S quote, say no to cancer culture. A Virginia man has raised $77,000 in counting after starting a GoFundMe page to buy Goya Foods products and donate them, donate them to local food pantries after critics called for a boycott over pro-Trump comments from Goya's CEO. Quote, people are seeing in the news a double standard for political view, 27-year-old Casey Harper of Arlington, Virginia, told Fox Business. Quote, Americans are fundamentally generous people. I'm not surprised we have raised so much because people are tired of having to walk on eggshells in political discourse. Harper's GoFundMe had raised $77,530 of, as of Monday morning after launching Saturday afternoon. Wow. Nearly 2,000 people have donated, and the fundraiser blew past this $10,000 goal. Notables including Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Chef Jose Andres. Andres? called for a Goya Foods boycott after CEO Robert Unani, Unanu, forgive me, Wanu, I don't know. He, after he praised President Trump at a White House event last week. Goya Foods claims to be the largest Hispanic-owned food label in the country. Many of the GoFundMe donors said they appreciate Harper's encouragement to say no to cancer culture, he said. Quote, in a time where speaking your mind can cost you your job or get you facing legal action because the corporate elite fear the mob as much as they, just as much as anyone. The most important issue is to speak boldly at the risk of your own well-being, Harper asked. Harper said. If people are do that, lovers of free speech and limited government will win. Good point. Way to go, kid. Uh, because the fundraiser has gotten so much traction, Harper said he intends to reach out to Goya and purchase some products directly from the company. Quote, we're at the point where it's going to be tens of thousands of cans, he said. 
I'd like to support local grocery stores, at least in part, but I don't know if we'll be able to do that with all the money. Goya Foods touted its charitable giving on Friday after uh, calls for a boycott. Goya Foods said it has given 2 million pounds of food to food banks across the nation who are in desperate need of food for families impacted by COVID-19. The head of the New Jersey-based uh, company, I'm not going to screw up his name again, I'm sorry, Robert so-and-so, uh, he said on Friday, the boycott is a reflection of a division that exists today in our country is that is killing our nation. Quote, we're here with the president, we're with this country, right, left, center, up and down, he told Varney & Co. Fox Business's uh, inquiries to Goya Foods were not returned at the time of publication. So good for you, guy. I mean, this is the world we live in, that we're living in now. You know, some guy who, <laughs> he works for a company, says pos positive things about the president, and everybody, everybody's got to, like, boycott him just because orange man bad. I don't get that. I really don't. It's like, you know, I put up with all those Democrats. I put up with Clinton. I put up with Obama. All right? I didn't sit there and say things like anybody, oh, you like Clinton? I'm going to unfriend you. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. This is the 90s. We didn't have unfriending. We just, I'm not going to call you anymore because you're a Democrat. Sure, that happened from time to time. I was thinking about like a, a friend of the family's uh, that we used to be friends until there was a comment made by somebody that, saying that we are conservative. I was conservative and uh, they don't talk to us anymore. But, you know, they were Democrats. Apparently that's what Democrats do. If they find out you're conservative, they don't want to associate with you anymore, which is silly. It's silly. It's silly. It's, a, it's against the very principles of FXVG Public Radio, if you ask me. Yeah, you have my show, but you have a ton of liberals. Ton of liberals. You know? You know, I'm the oddball out here. I'm the Frankenfurter. You know? Anyway. We have to end early. It's alright. So, I want you to check us out on social media. Look for me on Facebook. Shock Monkey Radio Redux on Facebook. Um, go to the YouTube channel. Subscribe on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. Show your friends. Um... Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. $3 a month full of video content. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash fxbgpublicradio and support the station as a whole. Even become a producer. Get your name on the credits. All that kind of stuff. We'll love you forever. You become a patron over at patreon.com slash fxbgpublicradio. So, hope I didn't offend you. Um, don't, don't be mad at me, Dr. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> In retrospect, I probably shouldn't have said all that. But, anyway... This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you.